Hi, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of AUSU Open Mic. Uh, we've got a really fun episode planned for you today. Uh, my name is Jody Campbell. I'm the executive director of AUSU. And today we've got an, an interview with the president. And uh, we're not talking about the Trumpster. We're talking about Mr. Brandon Simmons, the AUSU president. And uh, th- we're going to have a good time here. We've got a handful of topics that we're going to touch on today. Brandon, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We had you in the first episode, and every time we can get you into into the city to record another episode, we, we love doing that. So thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, no, it's exciting to be here, and it's nice to see this the new setup. It's a lot different than our first go-around. A little, yeah, more, no little, more profe- little more sophisticated than a little handheld recorder held between the three of us. So <laughs> I know. For those of you listening, uh, we're legit sitting in a room uh our, it's, we basically convert our meeting room into a podcast room and uh the equipment that we've got it uh it kind of makes you feel like you're in a radio studio so um not to leave him out here we've got barky emmanuel barker uh aka barky I, I it's odd to call you emmanuel so i really prefer it when people don't use my government name anyway so yeah so just know that if we throw a barky we're that's we're, we're referencing mr barker and uh he's kind of managing the the technology for us today that's right thanks for hanging out um you know what big congratulations is uh is in order um not only uh, did brandon get reelected uh recently uh but our entire executive team got reelected recently and so uh why don't we start there brando we've got basically this whole concept of an entire executive team that's able to come into a second year of this council term um Talk to us a little bit about being reelected and, and being able to, to be our president uh, for one more year. Well, it's exciting. It's a great opportunity. I, I love being able to represent the students. So it's, it's exciting to be able to do that. But it's really exciting to be able to have our entire executive team coming back. No doubt. When you look at student unions and how every year you're kind of ta- electing your top executives, it doesn't make for a very good business structure. So you, yeah. the idea that you could have so much turnover makes it sometimes challenging to get everything done. But uh, so having that, this is going to be the first time in a number of years since we've actually had an entire executive team term- turnover. And the team we've got right now is just great. Everyone just loves what they do. They love being able to bring forward students' perspectives. So it's exciting to be able to go into another term with such an uh, excited group so i think it's going to be a really good year and there's a lot of a lot of big things that are going to be happening this year yeah i agree and as your executive director i got to be honest with you it is a treat like a for me to be able to have an executive team uh continue the work that we're doing um i think ausu is going to start to see some real momentum and and you know over the last number of years we've seen that momentum but having an executive team continue on and and not be going one year at a time, uh, that's a huge advantage for the organization. So first of all, congratulations to you and Melinda Gertz and Natasha Donahue. Um, and we're so happy to, to sort of have the crew hanging around for another for another year or so. Uh, and I totally agree. There's a, there's a lot of uh, great work coming down the pipe. So um, in many ways, uh, I think we're, we're in the, the beginning of a really cool year or so. Um, so the one thing that we highlighted in, in our very first episode, and uh, we had uh, you and Melinda on, is this concept of, uh, we were kind of joking that, you know, between the two of you, there's eight kids in your guys', in your combined families. And so you've got four, you've got a new little boy. Um, talk to us a little bit about, 
as an AU student, how do you manage sort of family and school and and being able to sort of do everything at one time and and still be successful? Manage might be too strong of a word. It's <laughs> uh, you're just shuffling from one thing to the next and. I am just so lucky to have my wife. If it weren't for her, and she's she's a stay-at-home mom, and I couldn't do I couldn't do everything. Yeah, she well I played feel, by the way. Well played. <laughs> I feel bad for her. Uh, you know what? A perfect example is this last two weeks. Last week we were in Halifax for meetings, and I worked all day every day while I was there. Came back late Saturday, and then this entire week I've pretty much been in the city for important meetings with uh, the University Board of Governors and everything. So she has been at home with the kids on spring break by herself for the last two weeks, unable to kind of go away anywhere, have a break. So it's really without her, I couldn't I couldn't manage it. Between working full-time for AUSU, kind of doing a little bit of part-time work for my own company, and then trying to do schooling and everything, it just doesn't work out. So to be honest, there's a lot of times where my kids just don't see me. <laughs> No doubt. <laughs> so uh, all of a sudden I go away for a week for work and it's sometimes not that different than all of a sudden when you're in the last week of your contract date and you've got multiple exams. And I there's been a number of times where I basically say, okay, I'm still not even done reading my material and my exams are next week. So I lock myself in the office. I have a air mattress that I blow up and I'll go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, get up at (laughs) 5, and I just live in my office trying to cram through through my classwork and that as quick as I can before the exams. It almost sounds like that if, if it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would get done, right? I Yeah. Well, especially right now, I'm in full-time, so I'm doing three courses every four months just so I stay eligible for student aid. And, yeah, it's uh, there's been far too many times where I am doing all three courses in like the last month because I've been working overtime all the time and other stuff. And, and that's kind of, I don't think that's a, a unique story. I've heard, I remember just this last semester, I had three classes going through them and I decided to pull out the app for our, the student union app for just a little bit to try and decompress and get my mind off of my statistics class. And sure enough, I look on there and I wasn't the only one. There's about eight of us in this chain that started kept going on and here we're talking about how technically instead of us just complaining about it maybe we should all just get off of the app and start actually (laughs) studying again so we can get our classes done that are due in a week and that but yeah it i think it's a story that uh, a lot of au uh, undergrads really understand is that last minute and it'd be nice to be able to pay for those extensions but unfortunately when you're on student aid that doesn't come into play you're not really able to do that but yeah, it's it's the flexibility is really, is is really nice. Yeah, it sounds like a busy life, no doubt. And you throw a few diapers in the middle of all that. <laughs> um, the one thing that everybody knows about Brandon, if, and if you have been on our website, if you've uh, been following us on social media, the one iconic piece of Brandon Simmons is the iconic cowboy hat. And everybody, we we were laughing because we actually went into a meeting the other day and. And the person didn't necessarily remember us, but they're like, you know what? We recognize the cowboy hat. Talk to us a little bit about uh, sort of, uh, you know, this uh, this concept. And you're you're a cowboy at heart, and uh, and sort of where that all started. Yeah, that's uh, it's become a bit of an icon. Uh, it's a great conversation starter, and a lot of people I've heard lots of uh, 
Well, when you're in student politics, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's just a gimmick. And well, no, but it, it does work. It does play in our favor because I go, we're part of the Canadian Alliance Student Associations. We have a lot of other work where we do with all the other Alberta groups. It's a lot to go and learn everybody's name in that first week. But when I walk in the room with a cowboy hat, <laughs> everybody knows my name. Yeah. Everybody knows I'm with Athabasca University. And so that does help. So there's been a lot of benefit to, to it. Uh, um, obviously, I love the country. Um, my grandparents had a farm growing up. We were out there all the time. And I, I looked into actually buying the farm from them uh, and just financially couldn't do it. <laughs> and it's not easy to get into agriculture these days if you don't have the land already. If I could just wave a wand and do whatever I wanted, I would be a rancher hands down. But financially, that's just not in the cards. So uh, a lot of pe people think it's just that. I actually didn't. Growing up, I was the punk rocker who had spiked hair. Oh, and my God. was in a band and things like that. And you wouldn't look, <laughs> knowing me now, you wouldn't think anything <laughs> of it. Um, back when I was 16, though, uh, my grandfather passed away. And me and we, we were real, I was really close to them. And unfortunately I was working in the summer with my dad. We were trying, he's a contractor and, but we we're just finishing up the, the final job and we got a phone call and they said, well, he's taken to the hospital. And so we knew we were probably too late. And sure enough, we got down there and before we even made it down, he had had a heart attack out at the, the farm and that. And so it, it hit me at 16, it kind of hit me hard. And even though I had never seen him wear a cowboy hat, I, I found this cowboy hat that was his. And so I put it on and I just didn't take it off. And so then I went through his closet and I, my grandma gave me all of his pearl button shirts, his belt buckles. And after that, it kind of just overnight, it just became who I was. Um, even though he, my dad always jokes, he's like, well, he never, grandpa never even wore a hat. I'm like, yeah, but he had it. And for me, it was just that piece that connected me to him after and helped me kind of deal with um, his passing. And after that, it just became what I, I wore. I wore it to school all the time. I kind of stuck out being in the city, things like that. I fit in a little bit better now, now that I live out in Parkland County out on an acreage and yeah, we yeah. actually have chickens and stuff like that. And so we're starting to kind of, it's starting to fit a little bit better, but yeah, all of a sudden when we go and travel to Ottawa and other places like that, it sticks out, but it's just become really a part of me. I, yeah. don't, I feel weird not wearing it. Yeah, the country's in your bones. I think that's a very cool story, by the way. And I never, that, this is the first time I've heard that story. Um, and that's, uh, that's really cool. I love that. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, that you just came back from Halifax. We were out at the, uh, the recent CASA conference that was out there. And, um, you know, the overall experience that you have, uh, sort of not only our cont contribution to the, the, those CASA conferences, but maybe just talk to us a little bit about what it's like to be at those CASA conferences, what the overall experience is like you know, what you're doing and, and even some of the committee work that you guys are doing, uh, during those times away. Yeah, it, for sure. It's, you know what, it's exciting to be able to go to, to CASA. So for the, basically what CASA is, it's an ad, federal advocacy group and it's made up of, uh, student leaders from across Canada. Um, all the universities in Alberta are part of it. There's a large section that are out in uh, Nova Scotia, and we're working on kind of recruiting people from clear across Canada. And the whole goal is that we come together to be able to discuss uh, what are the important things for students in any given year. 
and we do a lot of policy development so that we can then go to the government and say this is why you need to invest in students so i think my very first year going back a number of years actually is we uh, went to halifax again so this is my second time back there um and we had a lot of discussions on grants and the need for um, upfront grants for students um, obviously that doesn't help all of our part-time students but for those who are on doing full-time studies like we were asking for them to double the grants and through that um, through that advocacy like we do once a year we'll go and take everybody from the organization and we'll go and within like three days we'll meet with over 150 MPs and go over all the um, the things that we're looking for and in investments into post-secondary and sure enough that year we actually saw um, that come to life so it actually was back in 2015 right as we we're getting into an election and the liberal party actually took word for word what we had went to all the parties with and said hey we want to see 50 percent increases they said you know we like that language they actually put it in their platform yeah that's awesome so it, it shows that you know what they're listening uh, the government is really listening to the casa so it becomes a good uh, a good selling point and it's an it's a no-brainer for us because we have students across Canada. So the changes that are made at the federal level affect all, all the students. So it's been really exciting to be a part of it and see everything that's going on. And we've been able to build multiple campaigns. This year I'm on the National Advocacy Committee. And we would, you would have seen uh, uh, Mental Health, a Students Let's Act campaign all gearing towards mental health and it was exciting to be able to be a part of that committee because we're, we're a very unique institution. So the whole camp, whole campaign focused on going and physically writing on a heart that they were getting, they were able to give to the minister of health. And it's, I was able to be kind of like, well, that's great, but our students can't do that. So how can we adapt this campaign? And so it's nice. It's very timely for us to have that voice, um, to be able to say, you know what, we need to be reflective of all students not just your typical 19-year-old going off to university for the first time. So it allows us to make sure that everything is inclusive for our members as well and they can contribute. Yeah, I think it's really cool. The whole concept that um, you probably find times in your portfolio as the AUSU president where you are uh, the voice of a single student, but then you're also in situations where you're the voice of tens of thousands of students. Um, the next question we had for you is really around this role that we have uh, at AUSU and our executive team as being uh, the one online student union or the, the one uh, group of executives that are representing AU as an online institution within CASA, which is essentially, I'm just going to say for the most part, built on a lot of on-campus universities. And so... Um, talk a little bit about the role that you guys play in those rooms, in those, in those meetings when, when you're essentially representing a group of students that are, are niche uh, in an online distance learning environment. Yeah, so there's us as well as then our grads, the grad student union at Athabasca. Right, and yes, we're, thank you. That's it. So you essentially have two groups and we have to be the voice for all those students. And the interesting thing is that the majority of points that we bring out they do actually ring true for a lot of other schools as well because other schools have more mature students they have other students that are actually still in some of the situations we are in 
but they just they're a minority and so they don't actually get represented by those groups so we just have to be loud <laughs> we go and we make yeah. sure that if we're going to pay you student dollars to help advocate for things we're going to make sure that what matters to AU students is brought to the forefront, which when you look at what's been advocated over for the last few years, uh, student aid is one of the big pieces that we're doing. And we're always looking um, to see how we can try and help things for other students. Uh, one of the big things that just happened is uh, there's a skills boost grant that was announced. So now if you have been out of high school for 10 years, now there's an additional funding that's able to be provided for you. And I believe that's actually available not only just for full-time, but part-time too. The rates are just a little bit lower for part-time. So it's something that we're able to always be bringing people back to, hey, you know what, here's something you probably haven't thought of and trying to make sure that we can then take that to government officials. And, and so far we've really had a lot of success and because we are we play such an important role we make sure that we speak up and that we are have a loud voice there um we've gained a lot of respect in the organization and and they are willing to kind of move forward on a lot of points that we bring up well you got to think that as a group uh i know that you and melinda do a lot of the heavy lifting for us uh with that uh membership at casa um you know, we're bringing a very unique voice that uh, is not maybe not heard as much. And so you guys do a great job of, uh, of being able to make sure that AU students are represented uh, across the country. And, and of course, um, uh, the next thing I wanted to throw out there is uh, while you were out there, you also hosted uh, a meet and greet for, uh, for a handful of students that were out in uh, the small area of Halifax and in a, in a pretty cool part of the country. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about uh, the experience of, of meeting up with a bunch of students that were, uh, you know, out in that Halifax area. Well, it's, it's always an exciting thing to be able to do. Figure, you know, if we're going somewhere for a conference, we've got students across Canada, like, why not just try and help them connect? And listening to the stories of everybody, like, they were blown away when all of a sudden they got, they said, oh, I got an email saying, come visit other students. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't think there was anyone out here, <laughs> yeah, let yeah. alone when I get an RSVP back saying, oh, yeah, we've got about 15 people who are, who are planning on coming. And when we were there, we're like, well, actually, if you look at our lists, we've got about 600 people who are in, in this area. Yeah. And it blew them away. And I think that's, it's a very common theme. I know I used to live in High River, just a small rural town. And I thought, okay, well, I'm probably the only student here. So you feel isolated. And then all of a sudden I go to the library, I'm writing my exam. As I'm walking away, I look over and there's two other AU exam screens on you. You got all excited. Hey, there's somebody else. I'm not alone, but yeah, yeah. you that's can't funny. make, but you can't make that connection. They're in the middle of an exam and you can't go up and just tap on their shoulder. Hey, I'm at AU too. <laughs> like it just you don't get those opportunities. And so it's yeah. nice a lot of the conversations we had at that meet and greet were how could we allow help students be able to connect like this on their own without us holding a meet and greet all these different places because we just don't have the resources to do that. So they actually threw out some different ideas that we're going to be continuing to explore because it's it's always exciting to to find out that hey, there's somebody else who I can connect with that actually goes to to my school. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those meet and greets, uh, they play such an important role in creating that community uh, for AU students. So um, I'm glad that that went really well. Uh, uh, we're looking forward to the next one uh, coming up here shortly, too. Um, uh, obviously, we're in the place of uh, an Alberta election coming right around the corner. And, and without getting into a bunch of politics, I, I definitely wanted to get your take on, on a new campaign uh, that's been running. Uh, and it's our pledge to vote. 
And essentially, uh, AUSU students would have received, uh, as part of a special newsletter in Alberta, um, this concept of pledging to vote. And uh, maybe can you speak to a little bit about the importance of of students voting and, and sharing that voice. And, and I know that we're specifically talking about Alberta here, but it's an important election. And I think it's important for us to, uh, to be able to really encourage students to get out the vote. Um, when it comes to pledging to vote, it's actually something that kind of, and the get out the vote uh, kind of campaign title that came back from CASA back in 2015 during the federal election. We uh, joined with them to kind of get people to, to pledge to vote, to, to make it a little more accountable and uh, a lot of the the design came from the fact that uh, research shows that if you're if you go and you actually take that step to pledge and say, "Hey, I'm going to vote," that it increases your chances of actually getting out there and doing it. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? That federal election really um, shows why these types of campaigns are important because uh, CASA undertook a study after after the federal election in 2015 was done. And the statistics really showed that students actually made the difference in the vote uh, for the first time. And so it really shows, like, you know what, if we want to have a voice, students can. And I think it's really important, especially at AU, we're not all the 19-year-olds who just came out of uh, high school. We represent a very large group of students, but we still have uh, specific needs in regards to education and things like that. So... Um, it also helps, too, when we can actually see from our members who are actually out there saying, I'm willing to get out and vote. That helps us when we're trying to talk to um, provincial government and say, look, we have students. This is their needs. And these are all people who've got out and voted. So being able to actually say, yeah, you know, we were helping students to be able to get out there and make informed decisions. That's going to be a, a good piece. And we're going to be continuing to look to see um, how we can provide some more um, if you information on okay where do i need to vote those kind of aspects so that it makes it easier for students to be able to do their homework and actually uh, make an informed vote i think that's a great point to make uh this concept of of um voting power and how it influences influences our voice uh why do they need to listen to us if there's nobody going to vote uh so obviously the more people that we can get involved and and uh you know, participating. So definitely get out there, uh, pledge to vote. Uh, the link would have been provided in uh, in one of our special newsletters uh, to all the students in Alberta. So I uh, really want to continue to support uh, that importance of the student vote and, and making sure everybody gets out there. Um, well, you can be on the lookout too, because while this is just an Alberta election, we it, Alberta plays a real big role because that's who helps pay for Athabasca University. But there's a federal election coming up later this year, too. That's right. And I'm on the committee at CASA where we're already planning that vote, um, that campaign. And it's actually going to be a lot larger campaign than what this was. Absolutely. And that's going to be later in October. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that next fall. Um, before we sign off, I got to go back to this um, Brandon the Punk. Like, wh- how did we, how, <laughs> yeah, did, how I- did that statement I don't know. Thrown I don't out there, and then us not follow up on that. I don't know how we skip past that. Yeah, I. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I I look back and I kind of laugh, and you know what? You you change over over time <laughs> for sure. Um, you know what? I was in uh, '80s rock cover band. Me and my friends, and oh, yeah, I love where this was, is going. It was I love fun. This. I. You know what? I picked up my first guitar when I was 14, I think, and I just fell in love with it, and. 
yeah, I was into the 80s rock, the Bon Jovi and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was very appropriate for <laughs> I was in an 80s cover <laughs> band. Yeah. That's so fun. So it, <laughs> things have changed a little bit uh, since then. But Seriously, like, yeah. what are you what are you talking about? Like Iron Maiden is your or like what? Yeah, I was into Def uh, Leppard and uh, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi. Those were kind of the that kind of arena rock was mm. definitely kind of the go to. But yeah, Iron Maiden stuff like that as well. I was quite into that Metallica. So um, good. I I loved kind of the instrumental, uh, like the the shredding. So uh, Joe Satriani. And stuff yeah. like that. And Ingwie Malmsteen and yep. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I, I got into it to the point where I went and invested in uh, strap locks and stuff like that. Because yeah, I did. wanted to be able to, to do the guitar flip and stuff. And <laughs> I couldn't afford them when I first started. So I have i don't have videos. This is, now I'm dating myself. This is back when digital cameras really weren't there. Dude, and we're so, the same age. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I had videos from back then that never really made it through through because of the quality Lit of them, literal videos that didn't make it what kind of guitar did you play i had i started off with just a just a piece of garbage uh, it was a, just a no-name barracuda yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and uh i, I had just, a barracuda bass yeah so it uh it kind of got beat up i uh, couldn't afford the strap locks at first so i took duct tape <laughs> and i duct taped my strap <laughs> to my guitar over and over again so that i could practice trying to get the hang of uh of flipping the guitar in the middle of a solo and then picking right back up and yeah there's a few times where all of a sudden the tape let loose part way through and it uh needless nah, to say it eventually didn't play anymore the <laughs> it'll, it'll be fine well not anymore it uh it it didn't make it through the high river flood back in 2013 <laughs> so that's so funny here we are like channeling your inner zz top as your barracuda <laughs> is flying across the room i can only imagine <laughs> You know what? I got to be honest with you. I, I didn't realize we had our very own Richie Sambora in the room. <laughs> and uh, so I think we need to bring out the guitar one of these days. And uh, I kind of like how we've, we've moved away from the punk to the cowboy. So um, <laughs> I love the story around that. And I, I think the uh, um, sort of the, that would be the soft side of our podcast today is, uh, is hearing about the, your, your family story and the background there. So I love that. Um, any last thoughts, Barky? How are things going on your end? Things are going well. I had no idea that this was the direction our podcast was going to be taking today. <laughs> yeah, I <had> we, <laughs> When we sat down in this room merely 27 minutes ago. I didn't I, think that Brandon, <laughs> the punk rocker, was going to come out today, but it did. So. Oh, and the heartfelt story behind the, behind the cowboy hat? Yeah, oh, solid. could not believe it. Yeah, people don't, people don't realize it. I don't talk about it too much. I did share a bit. Um, well... I didn't have to talk about too much. I ran in the municipal campaign, mm -hmm. which, you know what, I'm out in Parkland County. So it it wasn't really questioned as much as when I come here and we go out to Ottawa and run for yeah. for committee seats and that. But uh, Well, you have just shared that with 27,000 AUSU members. Yeah, That's and all, right. all of them listen to this podcast. So <laughs> AUSU Open Mic is a big deal. And so it, your secret's out now. I have, a, I have statistics if you want to see them, actually. <laughs> That's okay. It's already it's already out there. It's already on my... I just never bothered to shut my uh, campaign page off after the last election. So it's already on there on my blog and stuff like that anyway. So, Well, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have uh, Brandon hanging out with us today. And uh, Barky, thanks for the work behind the scenes, uh, spinning the ones and twos. And uh, Brandon, thanks again, my friend. And uh, we will catch you again on a future episode. And uh, 
Any last thoughts before we sign off? Just excited to, to be here. It's always great to be able to come into the city, into our actual office, and to be able to do this. Absolutely. Here's to another great, uh, another great year on the executive committee, and uh, congratulations once again. Thanks, everybody. This is AUSU Open Mic. Have a good one.